Thank you, Ingrid, for those notices. Thank you, Mano and the guys for worship. Isn't that wonderful? Have a church, functioning church, an amazing building. Uh, many of us have walked into this amazing story, coffee, offices, toilets, kids' ministry, fans that are going off. Uh, and, of course, beautiful people, you. This is, a, this is the dream for many a church planter. And um, this is, if Paul the Apostle or Peter could see this, they would think, oh, you can stone me again. You can, I can be shipwrecked. You can whip me for the sixth time because on five occasions he was whipped. This is the dream, brothers and sisters. Uh, Katya and I live a dream of marriage of being parents, of being friends. We, have been, we are the benefactors of coming into a local church and being blessed and being taught and being corrected and being disciplined and being humbled and being loved and being cared for and being... Uh, they're back on. <laughs> and uh, that's the invitation. We're, people say, you know, some people, very few, not many here, but where did you get your anointing or your, or your um, ministry that, that's side, actually, God says, come in. And I just thought I would quickly just, if you've got a slide of the guys, can I show like, I don't know who's first, maybe John and, I mean, um, John, Rob, and uh, Brad Joyce are in Lesotho this morning. Have you got a picture of that, of that one? Okay, there it is. They're, well, that's an older one. There's one from this morning that I sent. They're in Lesotho ministering. The next one is... Um, Tula, Tula's in Camarillo. Where's Camarillo in California? Have you got anything on that for us? So can you show us where Tula is this morning, ministering in, uh, no, he's not there. That's Lesotho. <laughs> so he's in Camarillo, California, completely other side, west coast of the United States um, of America. I don't know if that's going to come up. Um, and if he doesn't come up, Chris Mariga is there. Can you see little Samuel? That's the church in Mauritius. They can't meet. So Chris has ministered there this morning. There's little Samuel listening to his mom worshiping. So, so there they are worshiping. Um, and so we're a missional church. Big news this morning is that Jamie and Lisa, many of you would know, they were in eldership here, left about four, I think, years ago to join 3C. They are being prayed out of 3C in Westville today. That's... Um, um, Peter and Sandy Watt, who lead that church, and they will be prayed out of that church to go and take leadership of Harbor City Church. Red Point Durban was planted out of this church, became Harbor City, and uh, they will take over leadership of that church. They will be, that will happen next week, and um, Grant and Michelle will be going all the way across to where Tula is, a bit further south, San Diego, and they'll be joining uh, Restored group of churches together with uh, Andy Rogers and Jackie. That's just some news. <laughs> You're invited into the story. It's not easy. There's tears. There's pain. There's joy. There's humility. There's uh, amazement. You're invited in. And so won't you turn with me this morning to Haggai, the book of Haggai. I'm going to do one more part most churches do a building story at the beginning of the year. Your building books are Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah. Those are your four building books. And uh, often they're beautiful books to start the year. Many guys do it or to plant a church or to start a new season. 
And uh, I started last year, and I have to pick it up and try and be disciplined today as I go through it. So where are we in the book of Haggai? It's um, 500 years roughly, or 520 years before Jesus comes. God's holy people, his, uh, his covenant people, have been in captivity for 70 years. They've been exiled. Um, they've been deported, like you saw, Jews deported from, from um, various European nations back into Germany. They'd be similar, they were deported. In fact, the, um, the northern tribe, Israel, so had Israel and Judah. Judah went for 70 years. Um, Israel had been exiled to the Assyrians, and they were exiled for up to 200 years where the, the Judeans the, 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 of Judah, where the temple was, they had been exiled for 70 years and had been in captivity. They had lost their national identity. And we're reading this book with a view to understanding the church. And remember, brothers and sisters, for us to understand the church, we look at the Old Testament to say, what does this tell us about today? So when the, the, the Jews were in captivity in, in, in Egypt and they came through the sea, that tells us, that that was the old life we used to live. We come out of the sea and we come into a place of God's promises. Similarly here, uh, they'd lost their identity. They, um, all their covenantal practices, sacrificial, their worship practices had been obliterated. The temple where God would inhabit his very, the, 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 um, the, the, the altar of God, the holy of holies, the ark of the covenant had been obliterated. You think, well, how is that possible? Well, God's people who were custodians of the temple and the practices, the more they drifted, um, that itself had been taken out. And you think, God, aren't you the sovereign God of the universe? How is it that you allowed the temple to be desecrated? How is it that you allowed the holy artifacts from your temple to be taken into the world? He says, well, my people who are called by my name have given up on me. And God has bound himself to his people. That is one of the mysteries. And until you get that, you might say, well, I'm going to wait for God to restore. No, God says, Nick, I'm waiting for you to obey me. Amen. So it's this amazing relationship. So they subjugated, broken, tormented. They had to sing songs by the rivers of Babylon. They were forced to you sing those songs. Our tormentors forced us to sing those songs. And they pushed God to the extreme. That's why they were in captivity. They wanted assimilation into the other nations. They wanted their idols. They wanted to have kings. So God said, you don't want that. And they said, no, we do. And God says, you don't. And they, and they thought, well, if we assimilate, they will become our friends. But they didn't become their friends. They actually took them captive. They didn't. The, the people said, come to and we'll see what we do. And as they did that and forsook the ways of God, they didn't realize like the devil will lure you into stuff. He will call you into stuff, and then he will obliterate you if he can. Amen? And that's what happened to Israel. It destroyed them. And we know God is patient. He's so patient with us. He's so patient with his people. But it's like, I think it's uh, David Pawson says, it's like, it's like a pot of milk simmering. And you think, and then it just simmers and simmers and simmers and simmers, and eventually it goes, pooh, and the milk pops over, doesn't it? It's like God said, okay, it's enough, but it didn't come without enormous patience. Seventy years later, God's grace comes, and uh, he mercifully moves the heart of a Persian king. Cyrus is his name. He just shifts the guy's heart. 
And this, this king says, let these people go back that they may worship God. And a Persian king, a Gentile king, God moves his heart and he says, no, these people must go back and build their temple. Unlike Pharaoh who wouldn't let them go, this king lets them go. The Lord, Ezra chapter 1 verse 1, moved the heart of King Cyrus of Persia. And this is what he says, any one of his people. So this is a Gentile king. This is an, a king that, that doesn't know God. He says, any one of his people among you, may his God be with him. It's amazing how God can use a foreigner, a Gentile, and even an enemy of God to, to bring the word of God. And let them go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of their God. So this king is telling the Jews not just to go back to Israel. And back to Judah, he says, you must go back and you must build the temple of your God. How, how amazing is that? Even just going to Mauritius now, you know, because I'm in ministry, my family, a lot of the friends, family, they say, well, like, what do you do, Nick? What do you and Katya do? We, are you like priests? Do you wear robes and that, you know? And actually, they've been for 30 years, they've been saying, so do you still, are you still doing that thing? We said, more than ever. Do, do you guys have food on your table? Oh, too much. Is it, is it good? How was COVID? We, we've survived COVID, amen? We, 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 we doing, we building the temple, amen? So this, and even the world is saying, will the church build the house of God well? I believe, that's what I believe. The God of Israel, the God who was in Jerusalem, everyone whose hearts God has moved, this is a heathen king speaking, prepare to go and build the house of the Lord. <sighs> I love it. I love it. In Jerusalem, all their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts in attention in addition to the free will offerings. Verse 7, Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of God, which the, um, Nebuchadnezzar had taken and put in his temple. He took out Nebuchadnezzar, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in his temple. It's amazing that God is saying, people of God, go back and build the house of God. But, oh, King Cyrus, why are you saying this? How come you are encouraging God's people to go and build the house of God? Ezra chapter 6 verse 9 answers that in part. Did the king have a motive in Israel going back and, and, and uh, offering sacrifices God's way? Perhaps Ezra chapter 6 verse 9 answers that. This is a serious Bible study this morning. Are you just wave? Are you still there? He says, Ezra chapter 6 verse 9, Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven and wheat and salt and wine and oil must be given them daily without fail. You must give the Jews everything they need for the sacrifices so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. That's amazing. And so he's admonishing the Jews and saying, go and do what your God wants you to do. And P.S., by the way, little motive, pray for the king, which is me and my sons. Off they go, 50,000 of them. The first thing they do is they build the altar. Why do they build the altar? So there's the city that smashed, this beautiful city of Jerusalem with walls and and the temple, and it's, an, it's a beautiful 
Solomon's temple was unthinkably beautiful. It's been smashed. The first thing they do, they walk over all the rubble and they build the altar. Why? Because without the altar, there is no right standing with God. First thing they do is they begin to say, Lord, here's a ram, here's a lamb, here's a bull. We, we're sorry, God. We're sorry, Lord. We're sorry for what we've done, God. We're sorry that we forgot you. But we, we want to make right with you, God. You see, he is a God of grace. What the Jews did was abominable, actually. And God says, come back, my people. Come back. Somebody said to me recently, I'm anti-Semitic. I just thought, oh, you, you, be careful. Even though they can be a difficult people and a stiff-necked people and a rebellious people, they're an apple of God's eye. And they just said, hey, Lord, we go nowhere unless we're right with you. Even this morning here, you can say, Lord, stuff in my life. And you can come to the altar. You could have gone to Babylon and you could have done terrible things. And I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying he's a God of grace. And they offer sacrifices. It's hugely important to know that the temple had to be rebuilt. Let my people go, Pharaoh, that they may worship me. Why is that so important? Why did Pharaoh not want God's people to worship him? Anybody know? Why, why do we worship God this morning? In spite of how you feel, you may be clinically depressed. You may be deeply, deeply discouraged. Why is it important to worship God? Why is it important to lift your hands in your state, whether you're at the top of the mountain, I said to Katie this morning, how are you feeling? And she said, so well. Well done, Katie, for feeling so well. What's the point? Whether you're feeling on top of the mountain like Katie, or whether you're down in the dumps because you've lost your job, your marriage is in tatters, your kids have forgotten God. Why is it so important? Why did Pharaoh say, no ways? Anybody know? He inhabits the praises of his people. You know, it's interesting that those Jews, all they had to do was worship God. And he inhabits your praises. The moment he inhabits the praises of his people, which means, he, that's, that's it. you can go and pick it up in Psalm 22. God inhabits the praises of his people. Or he is enthroned as his people praise him. The Lord of hosts. It means that the moment... They, they, they begin to worship him. He comes upon them. And then in that state, they are a dangerous people. They are a formidable people. Amen. They are a victorious people. They are a people that are unstoppable. They are a people that walk with the very Shekinah or the presence of God, the authority of God. I mean, they just, no water, Lord. Just strike the rock, water, or throw a branch into the river or Manna will come down from heaven, or the Jordan will part, or the Red Sea will part. And so God, he inhabits your praises. If you want the victory in life, praise God. You see, you know what the enemy says? Shh. Stop it. Shh. The enemy will always say, don't you dare raise your voice. Don't you dare raise your hands. I mean, do you know who you are? The fight you had with your husband and what you did in secret, don't you dare be a hypocrite. Can I, say, can I say this to you? Lift your hands and say, Lord, well, I know who I am. I know who I am. And I'm going to praise you because I need you to inhabit the praises of this body. Body, 
soul, mind, this body will praise the living God. Amen? I don't care my finances. I don't care in the state of whatever. I don't care the fact that my boss just fired me. I will praise you and watch God give you the victory. And so the re, they start to rebuild. It goes very well. For 18 months, they build the altar and they build the foundations of the temple. And um, going good, about two years ago, goes 18 months. But then the enemy says, mm, it's not good. And the Samaritans, the surrounding nations, saying, we don't like this. And so they say, can we help you? And the Jews say, this is a sacred house. God's people have to build his church. The moment we use outside, the moment you use business, the moment you use the Western ways of the world to try and build the church, you've got trouble. These Jews say, no, 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 this is something that we have to build. God has mandated us. And so opposition comes. They, they go back to Artaxerxes, who's the, who, who is the, 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 the new king, and Artaxerxes has stopped the work. And the work stops for 16 years. Nothing happens, and uh, for 16 years, they've got all these goods. They've got all the stuff. They're kind of blessed because they've, they've, they've come back as the exiles with a whole lot of things. They've got wood, they've got timber, they've got, they've got all the stuff, and they think, ah, you know what, God doesn't want us to build the house, as I mentioned last week. Let's build our houses, and we can pick it up. And this prophet arrived, and he says, is it a time for you to be, you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses or your dawn houses while this house of mine remains a ruin. This is the tale of two houses, and perhaps it's the tale of three houses, which I'll give you at the end of my preach. Why? No, but Lord, there's opposition. So we just, and so they built their houses, and they forced, and even the leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua, leader and priests, governor and priests, they said, now we have to stop this. And this prophet arrived, and he says, you're living in your panel houses, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thoughts to your ways. You have planted much, harvested little. You eat, never have enough. You drink, never have your full. You put on clothes, they're not warm. You earn wages, you put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thoughts to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, it turned out to be little, etc., Etc. If somebody comes to you, a stranger comes to you, a person you don't know, could even be in the church and says, give careful thought to your ways or consider your ways or look at what's happening to you. You know, so if somebody comes to you, which has happened to me on a few occasions, you think, well, I don't know who you are. Generally, we'll tell those people to get lost. <laughs> And a guy says, well, hold on, I, I don't really know you, sir or ma'am. But if somebody that knows you well, if somebody that you are in fellowship with, if somebody in your church, somebody that knows your character, knows your home, knows you for many years, a friend, a leader comes to you and says, think carefully, consider the outcome of the way of your life. That's love. That you need to pay attention to. That you need to say, oh, okay. You see, better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. So, so what's happening is God himself, who knows his people, is saying, give careful thoughts to your ways. Give careful thought to the fact that my house is in ruins, but you're building your house. You're, you, I know people that will do DIY on Sunday morning, 
and say, actually, the, don't worry about church. Sorry, if you're online, you're doing dawah, you should be at church. You know, you know we, we just, we, no, no. Give careful thought to your ways. Do not get obsessed with your house. My house is more important than your house. <laughs> Amen? Can you imagine having a beautiful home on the edge of a mountain or a lake, but the house of God remains in ruins? And you're saying, Lord, uh, who can I phone to to come and bless my new house? Don't do it. Don't do it. You're mocking God. Rather say, Lord, what about your house? Without my house, says the Lord, you've got nothing. Without Israel having the temple of God and the presence of God, they are nothing. They are toast. They are easy pickings. But the moment they establish the house of God with the presence of God and the sacrifices of God, a place, you see, it wasn't so much that God was wanting to inhabit, uh, have God inhabit them. It was more God saying, I want to be with you. I am Emmanuel. I want to come and be among you. I want to be with you. And if I'm with you, you will be blessed beyond reason. They put their basic needs before God. Many, many Christians, and especially in the prosperity culture, have said, no, 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 my basic needs come first. I've got to sort my finances out. I'm not going to tithe. You know, I've got stuff to do. And when that's done, then that's the wrong way around. Build my house according to my word. So there were four messages. Don't put your basic needs before me. Look forward. Don't look back on what was. Oftentimes in the church, we'll look back. What was it like when you were on a team with Dudley Daniel, NCMI? What was it like when we were young 25-year-olds at Glenridge? We were all like rabid. What was it like in the early days of VFC? What was it like in the 2010? Don't look back. Look forward. I'll tell you why. The third thing was, this is a holy building, a sacred place for me to dwell. Don't defile my house. Don't bring disunity and brokenness into my house. Be careful with my house. And the fourth thing is, I'm going to give you my signet ring. And I'll come to that. So these are the basic needs. Point number one. Basic needs. Home, work, food, drink, clothing, wages. Six. I'll say them again. Houses. Everyone needs a home, a roof over your head. It's God's blessing. Work. That Actually, that God said, he said to Adam, you're going to work. We all need to work. We love to work. No work. It's a deep struggle. Food. We all need food. Amen. Burgers and McDonald's and curries, my best, and whatever your thing is. Oxtail, what do you like to eat? Prawns, I don't know, chicken curry. What do you like? Burgers, bangers and mash, very important. Got to have food. Drink, we've got to drink. Some of us like to drink. Drink some wine, drink some Pepsi, drink some Coke, drink some water. (laughs) Clothing. She said to Katty, please choose an outfit for me today because I'm now going to choose the same old dreary outfit. She said, I wore nice clothes, amen. Wages. We tend to get focused and obsessed on things of creation rather than the creator. God designed the home, the food, the water, the, the way. He designed that, but he said, why are you taking the created things and putting them before the creator? If you put the created things, the things of bare necessities before me, they, they themselves will deliver very little to you. And he's admonishing them. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Do not worry. 
saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? There it is. Jesus speaks about that out of Haggai. What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So brothers and sisters, I'm arguing that we, we need homes and clothes and food and drink and whatever. But the moment those things come before God, we flipped it, and God is grieved. He says, give careful thoughts, build my house. And that's why you're here this morning. So I'm speaking to the choir. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. We may make the mistake in thinking that God is okay with us prioritizing basic necessities while his house remains in ruins. That's why it's good to see Chris Bariga this morning in a church in Mauritius. There's no one there. It's like, ah, rather be here. It's good to see John up there in the, in the mountains of Lesotho building a building, laying bricks, buying, getting money, helping establish something of God's kingdom. And you say, Amen. Very important text. Acts chapter 7, verse 49. Can you have a look at it? Can you put it up? Acts chapter 7, verse 49. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. This is out of Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. What kind of house will you build for me? Are you saying, Nick, we have to build ornate um, churches? No, no. This is a new house. This is the house of God. You are the temple of God. Jesus is the temple. He comes to earth and he dwells in us. We become his temple. And together mysteriously we form the temple and the house of God. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or where will my resting place be? Red Point Church and our visitors this morning, what kind of house will we build for the Lord? Interpret, please, Nick. No, you can interpret that. You and I need the Spirit. I have spent days thinking, Lord, explain that to me. Explain what that means. It could be that in my house, to build a good house, we cannot have disunity. A house, you see, the building of the temple was bricks and big stones and, and, and porticos and all sorts of ornate things and gold and curtains. But this house is a different house where there is love. I think Francis spoke about it. Where there is unity, where there is kindness, where you go to somebody and say, hello, guy, how are you, bro? I heard you got a new job this week. Am I right, guy? News travels. Who is the, you know, that's good. How old are you, guy? Okay, what, tell me about the company. I'm interested in your life, guy, because we care for each other. Amen? Amen. And so off we go. We, we care. We know each other. Sometimes you see a need. Sometimes I say, Jesus, bro, thanks for asking, but hey, man, my marriage is in trouble. Then come and have a coffee with you, bro. Say, actually, sin's got the better of me. I'm like, I'm, I'm so discouraged with my life. Have a coffee with you. I want to meet you. Let's have four coffees. Let's, let's talk. And so what kind of house will you build for me, Red Point? God makes his people dependent upon himself. Upon, God makes himself dependent upon his people to build a house. That's why pastors that are getting rich from the church and themselves buying nicer houses and nicer cars, I struggle with it because I'm thinking, hey, bro, you've got to be careful here. Your prosperity gospel is going to catch you. Amen. We, we are wanting the house of God to prosper, the people of God, God to prosper. Jesus said, I've got no way to lay my head. Fox has got holes, but I've got no way to lay my head. Paul, it's actually want to build your house. It's more glorious. 
thank you for being here today. Thank you for going to life group. Thank you for going on mission. Thank you for tithing. Do you know how many churches are struggling financially, putting people off, can't do repairs and maintenance? Can I encourage you to give? Can I encourage you to be generous? I want to meet the Lord, and sometimes I think, Lord, I'm stingy. I don't, Lord, Lord, why do I want to hold on? I, just, I feel the Spirit teaching me and nudging me, saying, give. In fact, during worship this morning, I felt maybe the Lord whisper something into my ear about giving. Give, come on, give, give. Don't hold on. Point number two, look forward as you build. Don't be discouraged by comparing the old. Who of you has left Haggai chapter two, who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now be strong. Not your house, it's my house. I'm the designer architect. And he says in verse, uh, verse seven of chapter two, I will shake the nations here it comes. And the desire of all nations will come. So God's going to shake the nations. Shh, the whole earth. When he does that, what happens? The desire of all nations will come. Who is the desire of all nations? What are the nations that don't even know it deeply desire? What do you and I desire? The desire of all nations, his name is Jesus. He is the one that pierces the veil and comes to earth. He is the Son of God. He is the creator of all things. And the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. It's not about the building, Israel. It's about God's glory in his building. Amen? It's about the presence of God here. <laughs> the most important thing that we do on Sunday is the question is asked, how was worship? How was coffee? Were people friendly? Was the preach good? The good question is, was God here? That's the question. That's the question. Did, did, did God move a heart? Did, was the spiritual exalting Jesus? That's the most important thing. How was kids' ministry? Well, did the little kid think, oh, I want to know this Jesus, ma'am, um, preschool teacher or, or kids' ministry teacher, sorry, I'm a preschool teacher. I want to know Jesus. The silver is mine. Don't worry about your houses. Don't worry about your wages. Just Build. The silver is mine, says God, declares the Lord, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. This kind of little bit average temple will be greater than Solomon's temple because my glory will be there, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Somebody was invited to our, was invited to our home wants to know God or doesn't know God and so the, the question I ask so tell me after a long discussion what's the dream what's your dream a person gave a wonderful answer they said I want peace I'm, I'm in torment I'm distracted I, I, I'm, I'm agitated there's something wrong here I said what do you desire she said peace I said his name is Jesus do you want him or don't you do you want to be born again and you want to receive Christ because you will not see the kingdom, I offer him to you. His name is Jesus. And as the temple was, was built, oh, the foundations were built, it says, some, their worship with shouts of joy and weeping was heard from far away. So they couldn't distinguish the old guys weeping, new guys rejoicing. They were, they were so affected, they were getting so wrecked by God's spirit, and they didn't even understand, but the nations could hear them from far 
like Pentecost, when the nations came, they said, what is the sound we hear? The wonders of God. Same thing happens there. Point number three. Point number one, consider your ways. Point number two is we need to build his temple his way, okay? We need to make sure that we look forward. We don't hanker after the old. Point number three, this is a holy house. In Haggai said, so it is with these people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled. And so there's this injunction for us in this incredibly sexually charged world of, of social media and putting your stuff out there and comparison and opinions about the new world order and just think, Lord, let's go back to your word. Let's go back to the gospel. How do you want us to build your house? How should it be in the church? How should the home groups be? How should the elders be? How should the deacons be? How do you want us to build? What do you want us to preach? How do we deal with the sexual revolution? LGBTQI. What do we do with that? How, how do we handle that? And off we go, down a road. Not, no, 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 come back. That actually your word stands. God, it's going to be tough, but we're going to hold your word. Amen. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Children, obey your parents. Parents, discipline your kids. Kids are wild. Passive parents. Passive father. Passive mother. Well, that's just how they are. Now we want to discipline our kids. This is a holy temple. He says at the end of that particular thing, is there yet any seed left in the barn? So in other words, he's saying, is there any, can, can you, is there any seed left? Are you prepared to plant? Are you prepared to go again? Yes, there's something of the word inside of me. I want to go on mission again. Man, I've been critical of the church, but you know what? I'm, I'm leaving all that stuff. I'm taking the seed, the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sow it again. Is there any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive have not borne fruit. From this day on, he says, I will bless you. Lord, we back. Lord, we back. We want to build your house. We want to give. We want to love each other. We want to care for each other. I'm going to support my life group leader. You can see, the, if the life group leader is canceling a lot of life groups, can I say something to you? He's discouraged. Perhaps they're tired. Who is the person in that life group that says, please, can we meet? I love meeting in your home, bro. In fact, I'm going to cook the supper tonight. We are supportive. Can somebody say amen? We're going to do this thing. We are not a people who lose hope. This is the gospel. This is grace. God is an enabling God. He is not a disqualifying God. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm back. Yeah, there is some seed left in the barn. I know your word, Lord. God, you've given me a gift. Lord, yeah, I'm back. Gospel of grace. We should be a people who never lose hope. The moment we lose hope, it means we've moved away from God's grace. The older you get in Jesus, the more you realize that the grace of God is a very powerful thing. Because you could be a very good preacher or a pastor or a very good saint, a, a very good father, business person, great mom. You're amazing, but now you find that you're proud. Now that you find that you, you're very, very, you look down upon people who are struggling. You think, get a life, man. That was an average preach. You must hear me preach. Wow. We suddenly look down on people. And so whether you're you know, at the top of the mountain 
glorifying Jesus, not realizing that actually Tim Keller says, repent of your good deeds. It's taken me 10 years to understand that. Or you could be broken. But all of us rely on the grace of God. Can somebody say amen? We should never lose hope. Move, the moment we lose hope, it means we've moved away from grace and we're back in religion. Because religion says, <laughs> disqualified. Law says, law stirs up sin. Law says, mm, fail, mm, not good enough. Uh, there, there you are again. The law condemns you. Grace enables you. Grace forgives you. Amen. Grace says, grace was being exercised to Israel. Come back. Grace is the God that says, I'm not worthy to even lift my hands. I just, he just looks down and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is the tax collector. The other guy is standing there saying, me, I'm the man. I tithe, I pray. God says, who goes home justified? The, 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 the tax collector. God's grace is beautiful. Severe hopelessness can cause people to even reject God. You can get so hopeless. You can get angry with God saying, God, I thought you said you would keep me, but I'm in a mess. And we get angry with God because we've slipped away from grace. That's why I come back and worship God. That's why Jesus came. Point number four, the signet ring of God. What is that? What is a signet ring? He says, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, who's of the lineage of David, actually failed because he stopped building. And he allowed the people to get on with their homes. That's why pastors sometimes are so nice to everybody that they let people just do what they want. As long as they kind of come to church and, no, no, no. We as leaders, as, 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 the, as the authorities of God in the church, we have to preach the word of God. Amen? It can be that God may and say, listen, come, come, let's build. But even these leaders had gotten into trouble. And so Haggai chapter 2 verse 23, on that day that declares the Lord, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, who lost his way until Haggai prophesied to him, I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. A signet ring is an enablement representing the authority of the king. It's used to certify the authenticity of the man or the king. All authority has been given to me. Zerubbabel, you're like my signet ring, which means whatever you do, it's ratified, it's established by the, by the decree of the king. He says, Zerubbabel, you, even though you're a little bit fragile, you are like my signet ring. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And lo, I'm with you. Go until the end of the age. Every sermon preached, every life group, every mission, every sin given, every coffee cup made, every prayer meeting that we have, every ministry. We've got a list of our ministries, don't we? All these things, God says, signet ring, signet ring. Sometimes you feel, that was a failure. I didn't do well, God. But, but there's a signet ring there. And so that's the signet ring. What is the application for us today, brothers and sisters? Are we building a physical temple? Does the New Testament speak of the church of God as a house? Yes, it does. All Christians are house of God builders. Can I repeat that? Every Christian is mandated to be a builder of God's house. According to his gifts, her gifts, talents, commission. Upon this rock I will build my church and he uses us as his gifted workmen to do that. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to read some scriptures to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. You are no longer foreigners and aliens like Israel or us, 
but fellow citizen with God's people and members of God's household. There's God's house. So are you part of God's household? Built on the foundations. So he's using that metaphor for us to understand the spiritual, the new spiritual house of God. Of the apostles and prophets with Christ, Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, the plumb line. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. I've got bricks at the back of my house that we overbought for use in, our, in some alterations that we did. <laughs> okay? Those bricks are good bricks, but they're just lying there. They have not been built in. I was a loose brick or a rolling stone. Me, I was a rolling stone. You couldn't pin me. I was a, Papa was a rolling stone. Me. I used to roll around from church to church, full of God's grace, full of God's spirit, until God said, I want to build you into a house. I want you to be, lock yourself in. I'm going to teach you about stuff. Amen. And so God does that. He builds you in. Becoming a holy, the building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Brothers and sisters, that's big. The last 35 years for Katya and I, we have been part of a community of believers and saints. I know you know this, but I'm reiterating it. And in that place, God has taught us. He's humbled us. He's loved us. He's shaped us. We consider it as such a privilege to be part of a building. Okay? I was the guy that was responsible for putting up the Glenridge building. It nearly killed me. <laughs> but it was such a joy. It was a physical building. I thought, Lord, cool for the physical building, but much cooler for the spiritual building. The lives of people restored, marriages. I want to get involved. I want to be a builder and a worker. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 3.16, that you are, yourselves are the temple and that God's spirit lives in you? you 1 Peter 2.5, you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. Do you know what we did for 15 minutes? This morning is we offered sacrifices of worship. We're still worshiping as we read the word. We're still worshiping as we care for one another. It's not just songs. For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will live with them and I will walk among them and I will be their God. But can't I just be a Christian by myself? No, no, you can't. You can't. You, you, you cannot in scripture argue that. You can still be a Christian, but you will never be part of God's building and God's holy corporate habitation. I'm going to get some emails, perhaps. What is it to build the temple, the house of God, today? There's a list of ministries. Do you have them? I mean, I need to put these up. There's probably, I think we can double them. There's a list of ministries. As you can see there... What can I do, Lord? Hey. Hopefully the routies are going to go to Dubai. The roots team, eight routies, I think. Go to Dubai. They're going to go to Dubai to go and serve. There's a conference in Dubai. Okay, there's about 10 grand ahead, I think, to, for them to go to Dubai. Spend a few weeks there. We're still deciding how long. Chris and I are speaking. Do you want to support somebody? Do you want to, do you want, do you want to support that? 
that you can do. That, that's a beautiful ministry. I actually want to, many of you do that. You, you want to feed the poor, whatever. Just have a look there. Prisons, Zionist outreach, prayer groups, life groups, feeding schemes, missions, coffee. What do you want to do? What's your gift? God's going to use you where you're skilled. In fact, all those people that came back, most of them were skilled. How do you build the house? You need to be born again. You experience the transforming power of Jesus. Are you born again? Have you repented of your sin? Are you just coming to get baptized and then just so that you can get a ticket to heaven and live like you used to? You're not born again. You need to be radically born again. Point number two, you need to believe everything about the word of God. It's a final authority. It's the revelation that God gave us. Every instruction. Point number three, Christ is supreme in all things. We're still trying to do that. Katya and I were having some good discussions yesterday, talking about ourselves, talking about some of our struggles, talking about who we are. How come we can, we, you know, we can, we can fall down sometimes, trip, get so discouraged sometimes. Have to come back, have to repent, say, Lord, sorry. Compare ourselves to other pastors. But actually, we back God, amen? We back, we back. I'll make you supreme. Point number four, I think it is, to join a good local church for an extended period of time. If you want to make Red Point your home, take your time. Take six months. Decide. Find out what they're preaching. Come and find out. Come and sit with the elders. You don't have to sit with me. Consider the elders. See. Take time, but if you say I'm joining, join for an extended period of time unless God sends you. Don't send yourself unless God sends you from this place. At least 10 years. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. Become a part of Let people know you. Get, you see, your gift will incubate, and suddenly people say, man, that guy's got a gift. That lady, she's got a gift. And, but join a church. Some have been in this church for 40 years. Don't pop in and pop out. Become a member of the family. We are all involved. Bring your toolbox to church. Bring it. Saw, spanner, screwdriver. What are you? A carpenter? Are you going to have chisels? What are you? A plumber? Are you going to have a wrench? What are you? Bring your toolbox. Bring your gifts. Amen. Bring the grace that's with you. That's how we built. All those Jews, they were all skilled in certain ways. Some paintings, some very ornate flowers, concrete making concrete slabs, making bronze altars, da, 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 da. Everybody's skilled. Bring your toolbox to church. Don't come empty-handed. Bring your money. Bring your offerings. I mean, this is so pathetic. Bring, bring. Watch God release. Is there any seed? So, amen. Transfer your funds into the, into the house of God. Should we fix the air conditioner? Mike and Mills and I are saying, should we fix the air conditioner? Of course we should fix it. The, the house of God should be full. That's another subject. Bring your toolbox. Devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. That's how you build the house of God. Become a servant of the gospel. It's through the church, the manifold wisdom. Why is it through the church that the manifold wisdom? Many guys are trying outside of the church for God's manifold wisdom. Can I tell you why it won't work? It may work for five years, even ten. 
but you'll run out of steam. Why is it through the church that the manifold wisdom of God be known to principalities, powers, nations, authorities? Why? Because he's the head of the church. So because he's the head of the church, it's through the church. That's why Paul and the apostles said they got people saved, and they said, we need a plot of church. We need elders. We need deacons. We need saints. We need gifts. We need the Holy Spirit to fill them so that a church can be, what's a church? A church is a temporary outpost. It's a, it's a community of faith. And then through that church, the manifold wisdom into business and arts and education. I could go on to prepare, to prepare God's people for works of service. Be careful how you live. Submit to one another. That's how we build the house of God. I look after my marriage for the house of God. It's no use Nick and Cutty's marriage breaks up. It's happened. happened to a couple we know. They're, they're leading a church. They've lost their marriage. Pressure, pressure, pressure. People leaving, accusing. Eventually, in fact, I am sympathetic towards the, these guys. They just say, I can't do this anymore. Not in this church. There's very little, very little tuning in this church. Praise God for that. There's discipline in this church. But how did I get there? Where am I going? Whatever. Finish the sentence. Careful how you live. Submit to one another. Your marriages. Conclusion. Give to the poor, guys. Come, come. Come in. Their house, God's temple, and what's the sweetener? He's gone to prepare a house for you. <laughs> my house, God, my house. The house of God, important but temporary. And then he says, I'm going to prepare a house for you. Imagine getting there. He says, Nick, what, what happened, bro? Well, he wouldn't say that. He would say, Henry Nicholas Hardy, ID, 590. Hey, Lord, where's my mansion? Where's the house you prepared? Nah, sorry. No, he wouldn't say that. But he's gone to prepare a house for us. He's gone to prepare a meal for us. Amen? He's going to clothe us with salvation clothes eternally. We're going to, we, he's going to give us the rewards, the wages for our good works. Everything that he said of us and, and asked of us today saying, get this, there's a house awaiting you where there's eternal joy. There's work to be done in heaven where you'll judge angels and do all sorts of things. So everything he's asked us to do, he's doing and preparing for us. Can you say Amen. I'm building you a house, Nick. I'm preparing a room. He's still fashioning it. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is building us a home, an inheritance that can never fade or be spoiled. That's why. We have a wonderful home. I was looking at it this morning. I was in our dining room sort of asking God to help me this morning, and I looked across at our patio, and it's all cracking. And I thought, oh, I've got to lift all that concrete. I've got to relay it. Uh, nice house, but man, does it decay. So it was leaking in the dining room. Don't, don't, I'm asking, asking for help, by the way. Leaking the dining room. I'm not hinting. Leaking the dining room. Oh, I'm going to fix the dining room. I can't, can't find that leak. I cannot find that leak. Ah, oh, temporary decaying. But there's a house. There's a home. There's a room. There's a meal. There are clothes. There are rewards. Preacher, what are you saying to us? I'm saying, dive into the house of God. 
go and look up these scriptures and say, Lord, explain to me the mystery. Explain to me. Terry Virgo is coming. Oh, that's an old timer. That's a man full of grace. Ah, now I'm trying to put the kids down. Bring your kids. Let them hear the old man. He's 82, man. Please stand. Please stand with me. Stand before God. I need prayer personally. Amen. (laughs) I don't know about you. I need prayer. I need help. I need to be stirred. My spirit. Sometimes you think, Lord, you may have a difficult constitution physically. You may be sickly. You may suffer from extreme fatigue, thyroid problems. I don't know what. You may suffer from hypersensitivity to people. You may not like crowds. Amen? You may, you may have, what's crowd phobia? You may suffer from deep personal crises. You may have been sexually abused. Your father might have told you, like some mother told her daughter the other day, you will not amount to much. Person, wonderful girl, wonderful girl. Just been, we're told, I heard the other day, not just been told, you won't amount to much. <sighs> oh, come build the house, madam. Come meet Jesus. He's preparing a banquet. He's going to marry you, man. He's going to take you home. He will love you like you have never, ever experienced. On what basis? On the basis of his sacrifice. On the basis that he prays for you this morning. On the basis that he is Lord of hosts. You know what Lord of hosts is? Lord of hosts means Lord of the army angels. It means you are the supreme, uncreated, self-sustaining, sovereign Lord of the sea, the skies, the cosmos, the universe. You are the Lord of hosts. You are the Lord of the angel armies. You came and died for me. And you'll take that girl that that, that mother said, you won't amount to much. He said, come, come. Come, I'll wash you. Come, I'll restore you. Come, I'll cleanse you. You don't need to go to psychiatrists. I will. I will kiss your soul. I will mend the holes inside of you. His name is Jesus. He's the washer of our feet, the cleanser of our souls. He is the bright morning star. He is preparing a place for you, just for you. There's a seat at the table just for you. In this short period before we die, and we will all die, some of us quite soon perhaps. But Lord, I'm going to build your house. That you may be honored. That you can take glory. Thank you for my house, my food. I'd like a nice house. Have a nice house. Have nice clothes. Have them. But build the house of God. Amen. Can you lift your hands with me this morning? Asking God to help us. You may be, uh, I don't know, Nick. I don't know. I want to encourage you to receive Christ. To say, Lord, I have built and I want to build some more. That's what Cutty and I are saying. We, 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 want to, we want us to use you. We want you to use us. Just these frail clays of job. Put your treasure in this, in this clay. Lord, Red Point Church, we want to give an account for how we've built every single member of this church. And if you're a visitor from another church, that you would go back to your church and build well, that God may take glory in that house. 
ask Him to reveal to you this mystery. Ask Him, Lord, what does it mean? God may ask you to plant a church. He may ask you to start a business. He may ask you to start a ministry to to what Dave was saying, to couples who need sanitary care. He may ask you to write letters, as Francois spoke about, to prisoners. He may ask you to start a life group. He may ask you to sell one of your investments and give that my house may be built. Every hand go down, please. Every hand down. It's a hand of worship we've raised. If you have a hand of need, just raise it so I can see it. If you have needs this morning, just raise it. Come on, be bold, be bold. If you have need, anything, saying, actually, Nick, you said something, or the scripture said something, just raise your hand where you are. Don't be proud. Young lady, don't be proud. Gentlemen, don't be proud. Raise your hand, saying, Lord, something there for me. I ask you to help me. So, Lord, meet our needs. Pray. Save some people. Change some people. As we worship you, Lord.